On this episode of Success is a System, we're going to be spending time with Steve Stafford of Metro Bank. Steve has been a bank manager and in banking at a senior level now for 38 years. There is very little that Steve hasn't experienced from recessions through to good business, bad business, what makes businesses good and bad. And let me tell you, you might find banking or finance boring, as some people say to me, but it's one of the most important relationships you will ever have in business. It's the difference between successful business and failure. And the content that I'm going to be talking about with Steve today will help you understand what makes a business good and the mistakes that businesses make or, or what uh, are the elements that make a great business. Don't miss this session. People don't chase the banks. There's this loyalty. You know, you speak to, you know, you know, I hear some great stories, you know, if I'm going to see new customers or existing customers where they kind of say, well, I bank, I've you know, been banking with this bank for 30 years, 40 years, because my parents opened a children's company. Any business within, or person within seven days can change from Barclays to Metro or Metro to Barclays, you know, if, if that was the way they wanted to move. And that bank is regulated and controlled legally to have to support that smooth transition. What happened with Silicon Valley Bank, I think obviously it's just where, you know, obviously interest rates have kind of gone against them really. Obviously, you know, they look, support a lot of the kind of tech business and bioscience business and obviously, you know, got a significant amount of deposits. But the minute you change that language and words are important and you say we're, we're after fans, you, you can't, you, you wouldn't ever be a fan unless you truly loved somebody yeah. or there were, you, you know, you wanted to see them. A fan wants to see the people they're a fan of. I'm really uh, pleased to be joined by Steve Stafford, who I've known for a couple of years. And Steve is the regional director? Or? No, I'm the local director. Lo local director covering Peterborough and Cambridgeshire for Metro Bank. Uh, and at this point, I want to make clear none of my podcasts are sponsored, so it's not about having a preferential bank. The reason I've asked Steve is because I think Steve is particularly good at what he does. And in recent years, I've seen Metro, in my personal opinion, outpace many other banks when it comes to really looking after customers um, and giving that service that is needed, particularly by businesses at the times that business is needed. So firstly, thanks for uh, agreeing to come here today. And, you know, what I want to understand first is I know you've been in uh, banking for many, many years, but tell us a little bit about Steve Stafford, you know, where you come from, your journey through to being at Metro today, and just a bit of an overview of your career and an upbringing uh, that has brought you to be uh, covering such a large area across Cambridgeshire. And, uh, yeah. okay. well, thank you, Mayan. Thanks for the invite today. Um, yeah, so I've been banking, yeah, I've been losing count how many years now, I've been about 38 years now. So uh, joined Midland Bank, a lot of people may not heard of Midland Bank, obviously they'll be um, before HSBC took him over. So I started my career at HSBC in Stamford in 1985. Um, I was 16 and a quarter, joined on the um, the YTS scheme, only £27.50. Um, I didn't do, do too well with my O-levels, so whilst in, um, working, I had to go back to college to do my exams again. Um, so, but yeah, so started off at Midland, I wasn't allowed on the counter for a year, um, so very much in the back office. And then obviously HFBC took him over in, 19, in 1991, and I spent 20 years um, with HFBC covering all kind of Lincolnshire really. Um, well, I think one of my proudest moments was going back to Stamford, HSBC as a finance manager right, in right. 2001. So being a local boy, um, back in you know, being a, a bank manager in a local town was quite a, a highlight for me. Um, and then in 2005, I moved over to NetWest in Peterborough, I think it was in, in the commercial team, was commercial banking manager then. 
And I think really over the years, I've really kind of enjoyed the, the, the business side, the commercial side, getting to know businesses, yeah. business owners, and really as a part I really enjoyed. Um, <clears throat> so I went on to NatWest, then obviously RBS, obviously got bad out in 2008, and I moved on to the RBS side. Um, and then prior to joining Metro Bank in 2017 to open Peterborough store, I was the um, director looking after the real estate team and the healthcare team for RBS across East Anglia. Right. On that. And then joined Metro? So yeah, I joined in 2017. Um, they approached me saying, you know, obviously I've been in Peterborough many, many years. Um, would I like the opportunity to open the Peterborough store? Um, and, I've, and I knew about Metro at the time. And you know a lot about Metro. Obviously, I knew the New York Coming Bank at the time. They would have been coming up to what uh, seven years old. Mm-hmm. Um, most of their stores, we call, Metro Bank, we call it a store, um, not a branch. Around more around the, uh, the southeast, around London. Um, but I had a coffee with my my current boss, um, who I used to work with at NetWest, and uh, and then obviously Metro was founded by uh, uh, an entrepreneur called Vernon Hill, and. Uh, so I read his book, it's all about creating fans. Okay. Um, and I read the first paragraph, and it's all about, sorry, the first um, chapter. And I read it, I'm thinking, this is me. It's all about old-fashioned banking. It's about the customer. It's about service. It's, and I think at the time, I'm, I'm not, you know, I had, you know, 30-odd years, great years with HSBC and IBS, big banks. But things have changed. Yeah. And I'm still kind of, very much, I like to be out seeing customers. You know, um, being out in the community, that's the best part of the job. And that what Metro was about is, the best way I describe Metro is, is old-fashioned banking with related technology. Really. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, um, yeah, so we opened on 29th of September 2017. And um, five and a half years later, we're now looking after um, over 2,000 businesses of all different sizes and about over 15,000 personal customers. And you cover a couple of branches now. So, yeah, I also look after Cambridge. So, um, so yeah, so the area I kind of cover really goes from kind of um, South Lincolnshire, across Cambridgeshire, going into Norfolk. Right. Well, that's great. And I want to get into some of those areas about customer because when you're in, and my background was very much retail or hospitality and so on, and when you're in those sectors, it's all about customer is king, customer's number yeah. one. And we hear this, and we hear this from banks as well, but often I'll be speaking to my mentees and the different businesses, and you know, people see banks often more as the enemy than the friend, if you like, and they talk about, I'm gonna change this supplier, I'm gonna change this team member, um, I, I want a new partner, but they never think about changing banks. And so, firstly, part of the reason I wanted to meet today is your relationship with your bank is one of the most important marriages in a business mm. that you're ever gonna have. Mm. If it's a good relationship, you're gonna get through the tough times. But equally, if it, like in marriage, if it's a bad relationship, the minute it gets tough, it will fall apart. So, you know, I wanna understand and get into some of what makes a, uh, a business attractive to a bank and what uh, you think is important in terms of the way you help businesses. But firstly, I want to talk about, because a lot of the mentees I talk to say, oh, my bank are bloody useless. I'm turning over four million pounds. I'm making 400,000 pounds a year. And my bank have only given me a 20,000 pound overdraft. I you know, I've been with them all these years. They won't do it. And I say, well, why didn't you change your bank? If you were in a failing marriage and you'd tried for years to make it work and it still wasn't working, you would challenge whether you should stay in that marriage. But people don't even think about changing their banks. And and the banks often, I think, 
keep customers more because of the buggeration factor of changing than because they deserve to keep those customers. I mean, what, what's your view on sort of banks and how easy it could or should or is to change banks? Yeah, I think it's always interesting that really because people don't change the banks. It's just, there's this loyalty. You know, you speak to, you know, you know, I hear some great stories, you know, if I'm going to see new customers or existing customers where they kind of say, well, I bank, I've been banking with this bank for 30 years, 40 years, because my parents opened a children's account for me and therefore I won't not change. Mm -hmm. Or when I was a student, they looked at me as a student and therefore I remain loyal. And there will be, yeah, and the, the conversation will go, yeah, I'm not happy, but I've been with them 30 years. So, you know, I might as well stick with them kind of thing. And and I think a lot of people also perceive that all banks are the same. That, right. But, you know, at the end of the day, if we move to another bank, it's just going to be the same, same old, same old. So, but it, it I think it will, I remember Carlton, um, when I looked at uh, businesses where I've got a second or third generation and they're talking to them about moving banks. And they said, well, my dad always used to say to me, well, I said, okay, you might get divorced, but you never change your bank manager, you never change the accountant, you never change the solicitor. Yeah. So here you've got major stories like that really where people won't change. Um, and, that, and that's that's quite uh, sort of amusing, but it's also memorable. And in fact, three of the relationships I often talk to businesses about the fact they do need to change is if your accountant's not saving you money yeah. uh, and not telling you how you should be running financially and the structures uh, and tax benefits and ways that you should manage that money, change your accountant. If your lawyer's not working with you to give you good solid contracts, good foundation, good advisory about uh, how things are changing, change your lawyer. And equally, if the bank isn't giving you support and partnership that you need change your bank. I mean, those three things are, are, are given that kind of almost uh, religion level of commitment, but they're not earning it often. And and part of the reason, uh, you know, I, as you know, I bank with Coots Bank, but I also bank with Metro. And the reason I bank with Metro is they're open seven days a week and I can go in there seven days a week. And the minute I open a bank account, I, I am told James is your manager, Mike, here's James' mobile number. And I can ring James seven days a week and I can ring James and I can say, listen, mate, can we catch up for a coffee? Because I've got some thoughts and I want to know how best to approach this. And James will meet me for a coffee. And, and people don't, one, they don't know about that. So it's a bit of a, uh, 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 secret i guess obviously in metro people know once they're there but so many people don't realize well it's actually open eight till eight or, or eight till six or whatever seven days or, yeah 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 what and you you actually have a bank manager because i think you were saying earlier that most days unless you've got a, unless you've got a 10 million pound turnover you're not even going to get a bank manager in most banks but i can have a 10 pound turnover and have a bank manager in metro yeah absolutely and, that, and that's why i moved to metro really um i think for businesses you know Okay, the larger banks now, the big, you know, obviously looking after the big corporates. But how I look at it, these new startups, these new businesses, these mainstream businesses, they will be your next corporates. If you look at them when they're, you know, from the day they're kind of set up, you know, the best part of the job is, you know, helping the business grow and seeing how it develops. You know, about business I've helped over the years and just see now, you know, it was just two guys and the secretary now employing 50 people, now doing six million, seven million, eight million turnover. That's the best part of the job, really. And you help and you feel you've you to you played a part in that, you know, and you're kind of growing with them on, on, that, on that kind of journey, really. Um, and I think also going back to that kind of relationship manager is, you know, look at COVID, you know, um, three years ago when, you know, Boris and Rishi um, stood, you know, on the TV at night saying, okay, talk to your bank tomorrow yeah. about the coronavirus loans. 
our customers, you know, could pick the phone up to the next day and say, Steve, I saw the news last night. What do I need to do? And that, I mean, that, that just shows the importance of that relationship. Because at that time, we, we, we didn't know what was going to happen at that yeah. time, did we, in terms of but our I, business and funding and all this kind of thing? I think that's a really important um, part of it, that firstly, they can ring up and say, Steve, as opposed to ringing some call centre that doesn't, they don't know who they're going to be speaking to. That person doesn't know a single thing about them. There is no foundation of relationship to build upon. So even if they were having challenges, you might think, I've known these guys 10, 15 years, I've seen them grow in their business. So if they're struggling now, I know it's so much about them. I know Absolutely. that with a bit of help, they yeah. can trade through, yeah. as opposed to let me see if they tick the boxes that the bank are putting up exactly. at this moment. Exactly, yeah, yeah. Um, and I, I think, yeah. So. I think going back to you know you asked a question about you know um, forming an internal business for hundred thousand profit and get twenty thousand pound overdraft. It's understandable. Okay, why has the bank said that? So having that relationship. So okay, if, if I can only give you a twenty thousand pound overdraft, why is that? And if you know you know you know you having that conversation. Well, uh, I'll reach this twenty thousand pound overdraft because that's what the computer says. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's more about okay, this is the reason why you know, and we go through the numbers, etc. You know. Um, the easy part being a bank manager is to say yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The hardest part is saying no. But it's how you say no. You know, I often, you know, when I get a situation where customers want to um, particular funding and it doesn't work, you know, it's not affordable. But if you can try and go through the numbers, and I try and spend quite a bit of time on the numbers, and to go through the numbers with the customer. So actually, while me saying no, I'm kind of explaining my kind of concerns. But by trying to confident in them and say, oh, yeah, see, I know where you come from now. I can right. see it yeah. now. Okay, I need to do this different now. Okay, get that. And then they kind of, and then when they do come back, we're in a position where we can help. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and part of it is understanding, just like as every human being has a different uh, appetite or comfort with risk, the banks are the same as well. I remember the story of Disney going to 324 banks before he got the funding for Disney World. Now, if he'd have given up at the first or second or third or fifth or tenth or whatever, he'd have never got funding. Yeah. Disney would not exist. But equally, some banks might have more comfort or appetite in construction. Others might prefer tech businesses. Some banks might at the moment be doing less um, uh, businesses of a certain size. Others might want. And so, you know, if someone does realize or get to the point where their bank says no, how easy is it to change account these days? Because I'm having done it, yeah. I know that there are yeah. systems and controls in place that make banks have to support you changing if you want to. Yes, yeah, and there is there's, there's the um, seven day switch guarantee scheme, and this is for businesses to say six and a half million turnover. And that's a government led thing, is it? Um, it's a it's, it's a regulatory uh, event, yeah. So I think it's more on the. Um, the financial services kind of pour this in really to make it easy and it just works so well yeah you know, because so the idea is that the account will close on a particular day the funds move into a new bank all direct debits comes over all your beneficiaries online banking comes over if any of your customers pay the old bank it automatically transfers over to the new bank for the next three years and that's a regulated control that means that just just to reaffirm that that any business within or person within seven days can change from Barclays to Metro or Metro to Barclays, you know, if, yeah. if that was the way they wanted to move. And that bank is regulated and controlled legally to have to support that smooth transition. It's through the, yeah, it's a, it's a particular scheme all the big banks, all the, all the banks um, kind of uh, uh, abide by. Right. Okay, so it's, 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 it's fair. Um, what we do, though, because people think, yeah, moving banks, it's, it's going to be hassle. 
Yeah, yeah. And therefore that's why- It's that buggeration factor. Yeah, it's, it just is, there's, you know, it, it's going to be hassle. So why I always talk about, when I'm talking to business owners, I say, yeah, it's all about trying to get them to, okay, it's like managing the project really. If you're doing business in 50, 60, 70 people, okay, and you've got lots of different parts of the business, how are we going to manage that? So it's all about getting the account open, getting all the online banking set up. So, uh, and then obviously whenever, whenever it's all in place, then having a discussion about when we move, move the account over. Yeah, yeah. I always say to business owners when I'm talking, say, yes, I'd love to come over to you. Fantastic. I said, yeah, but I want to talk to your finance manager because I need to understand your day-to-day -day banking. Because <clears> if it doesn't, if your finance manager you know, moves over and not happy, they're going to give you some earway. Why did you come over to Metro? Yeah, so yeah. I'll make sure that he or she is very happy and understand exactly what's going on. He or she will have that peace of mind saying, okay, I get that, I'm happy to go ahead. Because they're sometimes more important to get those people yeah, happy because yeah. they're the ones going to have to deal with it on a day-to-day -day basis. So, and, and, and on that point, I mean, nearly 40 years in banking, two years' time, you have to have a big <laughs> no. cele celebration. In that 40 years, you must have seen some amazing successes, but equally, you must have seen some really sad failures. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, to me, the difference between success and failure is often the systems we adopt. And are there any sort of, um, Joe Valenti talks a lot about success leaves clues, and I talk about success as a system. Are there any sort of systems or lack of systems or specific areas where you think, if businesses fail, this is a common denominator, or when business businesses succeed, this is a common thing that yeah. I see in them. What what yeah. would you what systems or procedures or approaches do you find? Yeah, I think in terms of when you see businesses have failed, and uh, and it's it, it often very common is where businesses have not retained the profits in the business. You know, the faster businesses are growing. The fastest, obviously, the money's being taken out. Obviously, to you know, to fund a business, you need to make profit to fund that kind of growth. Yeah. yeah. Um, obviously, if you don't leave the, the, the kind of that capital in, then obviously you may end up taking more debt. Um, and I always talk to customers about, and you know, I always use analogies about a tree. As a business grows, as a tree grows, and the taller it gets, if you don't, if it, the roots don't grow with it, as soon as there's a bit, a bit of wind. <coughs> It's going to topple over, you know. Yeah, you know yeah, yeah. As soon as like the recession starts, you haven't got the roots of that tree. It's going to topple over. But if you kind of invested and got that kind of your balance sheet is showing, you know, a, a strong growth in, in, in going with the level of turnover and profitability. When you do go through a bit of a difficult time, yeah, the roots yeah, are there, yeah. and the, you know, yeah, okay, it might be a little bit windy, but the tree remains standing up. Yeah, it was interesting. I was talking to uh, one of uh, my daughters at the weekend, and there is this kind of facade that some businesses build or people build around success, you know, and so they make a little bit of money, they go out and buy a Rolls Royce or a Ferrari or, or a Range Rover or so, when really their business is only at a the size there where it's going to be supporting a Ford Mondeo or something. Yeah. Nothing wrong with that. In fact, it's far more sensible, horses for courses, mm -hmm. to spend according to the money you've got, but they overspend. And she was saying, yeah, a lot of these influencers, you know, you see on social media, how they might go out and buy one uh, really expensive handbag, but they'll share the handbag, they'll buy it together, so 10 of them, but they'll each yeah. get shots and images and that with that, a handbag or car or they'll, they'll go to um one of them will get a hotel room but they'll all take shots in this big list so it's all just bullshit and smoke and mirrors 
to create this facade of success that is not real. And then they'll, 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 they'll either, maybe even sometimes they don't buy it or they buy it and take it back a, yeah, a day later yeah, after they've yeah. got all their, their content with yeah. it. And so the problem is that puts pressure on other people to think, oh, if I'm successful, I must have a, a Range Rover or I must have um, uh, holidays that are in these big glitzy places. And and yet it is that kind of, it's it's a facade or a tree that looks really big, but it's got no roots that are going to hold it when it gets yeah, windy exactly, and yeah, such. Yeah. So, yeah, no, yeah, keeping cash in a business, it's, it, it, it is it's so obvious once you've had the tough times and you've been blown over a yeah. few times. And cash is king in the, the days, and not that profitability. It's, cash, it is. it's that cash in there, that cash cycle. And I, <clears throat> if business wants to, you know, have a nice big house and cars like this, when you're doing your forecast, you've got to build that into it. You know, your your what, what you know your kind of remuneration package. That is a, it's just a normal cost, end of a cost in that business. So if you want to do that, you build that in. But many businesses don't build that part into it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, but all the business costs into it. But very rarely often won't put their kind of own kind of their aspirations, what they want. Because you can build that in. If you okay, I want that. What I want. Okay, this is what I need to deliver, and mm. I can I can manage that going forward. Well, and equally, when things start going wrong, at, you know, at any point in time, with forty to fifty mentees that I'm mentoring every month. There'll be four or five of them that are really, really struggling and going yeah. through it. And one of the first things I'll say is, have you spoken to your bank about this? Have you said, oh, no, I don't want to tell the bank that. And I say, they can see it. There'll be there'll be triggers yeah. and, and uh, alerts that are coming up anyway because of some sporadic or changing behavior. But if you go and tell them, at least they, they know. Because if you leave it to the last minute, you ain't going to get their support. Yeah, yeah. Um, so what if I was working with any bank, um, what degree of communication is best you know is it sharing a business plan every year it's not something i have to do but how do you look differently upon customers that are more transparent with you and tell you where they're trying to go how they're trying to get there and so on what what's the kind of perfect relationship with with you from a business okay point? i think every business is different i think i think one thing going back to what you're saying about you know kind of systems access what i've seen over the years and what works or doesn't work and you may know, might obviously you run many businesses. When you own business, it can be quite a lonely role. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, you, you kind of got, you employ lots of different people, but you know, you're wearing lots of different hats. When things start to go wrong, you can't really confide in, in, in terms of your team, or whatever. You've got to show that great face, I think it's all good. But having someone you can talk to and confide to and just, you know, get some, you know, the weight off your shoulders. I think, you know, again, that's what can bank can be there for to listen and, and business you to look after. I still don't look after. And she, and she says to me, goes, Steve, you're a very good listener, you know, and we speak, we, we, we meet on a regular basis because um, this particular lady, she likes to share the information. She's unbelievable. The information she's got spaces, you name it, she loves to share that and where she's <coughs> going. And I think that's great because obviously when they want to do something, I, I know where the business is going. I haven't got to spend three hours going, okay, give me, send me all this information. I already know where they're going. And um, you know, because of the level of controls and spreadsheets and and detail she has that she knows that as well oh, because so yeah. many businesses i'll say what's your turnover this month i don't know yet what's your turnover this yeah. year i haven't had the accounts back yeah. yet and i think shit i need i knew my turnover yeah. and, and profit roughly by the hour let alone exactly. day or week or month and yet many businesses three months after the year end still don't know how much profit they've yeah, made exactly. well many businesses <clears throat> will not have their will not file their annual accounts until we've got to do it nine months after year end and they leave it to the last minute, either way that's because they want to pay the council fee or pay the tax. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But if you've got a problem that previous year, you don't find about it nine months later. You're already nine months into your this year before yeah, you can yeah. start changing things. So things like that, I think, you know, again, again, it's good about having the team around you as well. 
if you've got an accountant you can talk to and understand your figures and help you because you know you're good at doing what you're doing whether it's selling or whatever you're doing that's what you specialize at you need the team behind you whether yeah, it's a bank yeah. you need your accountant who's there to support you and say okay have you thought about this have you thought about that actually you need to hold back I hope you're enjoying Success is a System. Every Tuesday, we launch it on all podcast platforms and on YouTube. Drop us a note and tell us who you would like to see or hear on Success is a System or what subjects you'd like us to cover to help you and your business. Success is a System, like, subscribe, and make sure you get it every Tuesday for great lessons and systems that have made people wealthy, healthy, and successful. Well, and, and that's a really interesting point because even if you are a sole trader or a singular leader within a business, you might think, well, I, I can't share this, I haven't got any partners. But you have got a banking partner, accounting partner, a legal partner, yeah. or you should have. Uh, and and <coughs> talking to those with the experience they've got, you know, if you're managing hundreds or thousands of businesses across the area that you look after, and you said it was 2,000 in Peterborough, uh, you're seeing the good, the bad, the ugly. You're seeing those that are riding high during a period and those that are really struggling. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, you, you should be almost their first port of call to say, you know, if you, do you know anyone who's doing good? What are the people who are doing good doing differently to what yeah. I'm doing? Or, yeah. or what's best practice at the moment? And so on. And um, I knew when a business I built with a partner, Tom Fender, uh, the bank we had at the time said, we love partnerships. And part of the reason we love partnerships is because if one of the two is down, the other can lift them. If one of the two is going to do something that feels a bit erratic or irresponsible, the other one will say, hang on a minute, stop this. And so in a partnership, oh, God forbid, even if one of them dies, there's still someone to run the business. Whereas someone who's on their own, they don't feel they can share with their team because they don't want to share their problems with the people who work for them. They don't want to take it home to their partner often, but they forget that they've got a banking partner, yeah. they've got yeah. an accounting partner and so on. And uh, and I know you do quite a lot, um, and I don't know actually if this is a Metro thing or a Steve Stafford thing, but you do business breakfasts and you do, uh, where you invite people down to the bank and you have an hour and you get a speaker and you talk about different things. Is that something that you do or is that a, Metro thing. It's a, it's a, it's a bit of both, really. Mm -hmm. um, Metro, we want to be the best community bank. Um, but to do that, you have to demonstrate that. So what we like to do is, uh, you know, use our store. You know, we've got um, by inviting people in, gives people a chance to come into a Metro store. It, you know, if you've been in Mike's, very different yeah, to normal yeah. kind of bank. But if we can put, you know, connect people together, that's best. And again, you know, it's just get, again another way we can add value to businesses. So that okay, we, we do this breakfast first Wednesday of every month. We have a mix of different people come in, but it's you know very welcome. Just stand back and just watch all these businesses all talking to each other, yeah, yeah, exchanging yeah. business cards, because if they're all helping each other locally and we're helping you know helping the local economy, you're building those partnerships. We, exactly, yeah. and again, it's another way. It's not just about okay, we offer banking products. Okay, what else can we do? We like to signpost. Have you thought yeah. about okay? Do you know these grants are available? You know, so it's all about what we can add, where we can add value to to that business. It will happen with Silicon Valley Bank, I think, obviously. It's just where, you know, obviously interest rates have kind of gone against them, really. Obviously, you know, they look, support a lot of the kind of tech business, um, bioscience business, and obviously, you know, got a significant amount of deposits. They use those deposits, you know, which they need to, um, in various bonds, whatever, but with increasing interest rates went against them. Right. Like but then, obviously, I think because what happened maybe in 2008, you know, as soon as, you know, anything negative about a bank... Everyone starts pulling their money. Yeah, straight away, and then you can see how, how quick... The kind of confidence level went down so rapidly yeah. in the space of what, 24, 48 hours. And there was talk like, uh, you know, you never know how much it's social media, but you know, Oprah lost half a billion in that and different people lost lost money. Realistically, um, 
what sort of risk do people run if they have got a lot of money in one bank or do they or don't they? Well, the, the, you know, customers are protected to 85,000 with the financial compensation scheme on that. And that is the standard. Okay. And is that like, so is that if, if I've got an account and my wife's got an account and my kids have got an account, are we all individually protected? Yes, yeah. yes yeah, on that. But I, if I opened two accounts with one bank, that wouldn't protect no, me No, you only get the one protection. So it's, it's the person yes, yeah. on the banking platform, because sometimes the same bank, a couple of banks can share the same structure, is that right? Um, yeah, no, yeah, I believe so. But yeah, it's, yeah. It's, it would be £85,000 per, per customer per bank. Right. Okay. So, if on the, I think on a personal situation, you do get a lot, of, you know, particularly over the last few years, where customers will spread. You know, they'll put, yeah. you know, they will do eighty-five thousand per bank. Um, it's very difficult for businesses to do that because, obviously, first of all, challenge to try and get an account open in the first place. Yeah. And so, we do see more often now where uh, a business may have two or three banks. Not not yeah. not just from a point of view in terms of okay, you know, making sure that it, uh, their cash is safe. It's also the practicalities. If the online banking went down with their bank for a few hours, they've got a backup. Yeah, yeah. On that, yeah. you know, maybe that they want to have that relationship as well. You want to have you know two or three banks to kind of work with. Yeah, and often you know in, in construction specifically, we might have um, we will have um, several SPVs set up. You know, some to do the management of a property, some to do the construction of a property, uh, and so on. So we'll spread it across different business entities within a group structure, some for tax and some for kind yeah. of whatever that business is doing to keep that speciality mm. in place. So, and again, that's something that people should speak to their bank about or their accountant about or both. Yeah. Um, yeah. Because what people assume that my accountant should tell me everything, my bank manager should tell me everything, but we're human and we only know what we know. We don't know exactly. what we don't know. Yes, and yeah. so to me, I always say that, you know, if you had the chance to speak to, let's say you were wanting to be a budding footballer and you could speak to 11 players and get tips and training and mentoring off 11 players, why would you only speak to one? Exactly. You know, so, you know, when it comes to learning those skills, people don't need to become an accountant or a bank manager, but they need to understand the importance of finance to their business. And I often used to say that in any business that I've ever had involvement in, the finance person, the FD often, was the person who most frustrated me because often they were telling me what I couldn't do rather than what I could do. But they were also the most important person to me in that business because the numbers never lie. Yeah. And there's no problem that a bucket of cash can't fix in most businesses, but you need to understand the importance of money and how and when it will be needed and what, what you can leverage and pull on when you have a challenge, I guess. Yeah, so, yeah. you know, I've always appreciated bank managers and, and accountants uh, tremendously for the support and advice and relationship I build with them. So let's talk a little bit about business. A business, once they open a bank account, they might be a startup or they might be transitioning across from their current bank because they're just not getting the service and support and it's been that way for a while and they've tried to speak to them and can't get to speak to them. Now, let's say they're going to come to Metro or another bank. What's the ideal sort of information or plan or business plan or it, what, what's the perfect package of info or approach they could make to you to make you think, yeah, this is exactly the kind of business I, I want or yeah. we want yeah. in the bank. I think yeah, it's a good question. I think again, you know, you, you see so many different businesses. So you get you see some businesses got you know got a fantastic kind of web product or service. Um, and you can see, you know, that they think, yeah, this can really work, but they're kind of lacking, they, they haven't got the numbers, they haven't got the people behind them to support that. 
So again, I think from a, a bank point of view, we can help that business. Okay, okay, right. I think, I think you've got great comes out here, but obviously first of lending money, we're going to need X, Y, Z. Um, obviously that's not their forte. And you can say to her, okay, oh look, can I introduce you to someone? He will help you, he or she will be able to help you on that. And so you try and signpost them so they can get them in the place so that they can be in a position where they can approach a funder to help with their business going forward. It might not be at the time, if it's start, it may not be ready for a bank yet. It might be more equity funding. And again, it's giving that kind of advice and support and guidance and signposting. Then they get business comes in who knows their figures, done all their homework, and we've been talking to the white people. And then, yeah, obviously that's it's a fantastic situation in terms because obviously it's all about how we can, but you know, we're obviously looking to agree a particular loan. It's how you can present it to the underwriter. Yeah. And if you've kind of got a business where they've done the numbers, they've done the sensitivity, they've looked at the what ifs and built that all into it, you think, well, this business is what they're doing on that. Well, it's funny, it's kind of separate but connected in the sense that I remember when I was working with the homeless charity and um, uh, it was a YMCA time stop and I was helping these kids get jobs and they, they could access some funds to put shirts on and trousers and tie and all that stuff. And, and I'd be coaching these uh, young, young 16 to 25 year olds that were homeless. And we had some companies that were willing to give them a chance. And I remember a couple of them would say, I'm not putting that shirt and that on. I look like a geek kind of thing. And I'd say, well, you need to, you need to package yourself. If they don't like me as I am, then I'm not interested in working for them. And I'd say, it's not that they don't like you as they are, but it's like a first date. If someone doesn't make a bit of an effort on a first date, you assume that's them at their best and you assume it's only going to go downhill from there. So the way we package ourselves and our businesses, we've got to package it up to, to show our best side. And so I think a business that comes in, that's got a business plan that, that can tell you of their product, maybe even bring their product and show their product and have all their numbers and know their numbers and be able to answer some basic questions, you then get more confidence that it's the kind of business you want to open an account with or you want to have within the bank. Yeah. And it's not about not wanting to know the real person behind it, but first impressions count. Don't they? It, it do, um, but it's not. Too, we also make sure it's not numbers. I've never seen a cash flow forecast yet or projections yet, but it doesn't work. Yeah, yeah. They always do. They always work. So you, you know, so we also, you know, it's just important. It's that person behind the business. What's their background? Where they've been? What experience have they got? You know, one of my old managers you work, work, work for in HSBC, every time we went with a lending paper for him to, to approve, his first question was, have they gone through a recession before? Yeah, they've they, been there, yeah. done it, got the T-shirt. So it's all about also, you know, anyone can grow in our market. Yeah. yeah, so it's all about, you know, so yes, numbers are important, but it's just as important It's that person. At the end of the day, you, you are, believing in that person, you know, you're lending money to that particular person or people, and therefore, you know, do you think they've got that capability? Have they been there, done it, got the t-shirt? Have they got the experience? You know, um, and, and, that, and that's just as important really in terms of, on, on that when a bank's considering a, a particular request. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and one of the, a lot of that is about getting to know the person, and you talk a lot in previous conversations about, about uh, the importance of customers, the importance of people, the importance of community and connecting and so on. And when we're talking about systems, I often talk about, so what are the systems that you're using or the bank use to connect with people? And um, the best way I often think about it is if banks all say the customer's king or the customer's our primary driver. And I think I could speak to a thousand of your customers and I know the majority won't rank you as 
being like that. So they won't feel like they're most important. Your behavior doesn't make them feel like customers are most important, but it always did with Metro. And, and so I say, imagine you were, be, you were in a court of law and you'd been accused with having great customer service what evidence would you give yeah. to show that you do? And, you know, what, I know you do do it, but what are the kind of systems and approaches that 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 make a great bank manager or a great bank? Because it's not about being the teller necessary, although that's one important interaction. And I know you get out into the community and out into business, uh, and perhaps for the benefit of people who don't know you, the listeners, Talk about a typical month in terms of how you network, where you network, what you do that isn't necessarily traditional banking. Yeah, so I think, yes, okay, Metro, we do obviously a lot on the customer service. You know, it's, you know, at first, you know, we we don't spend money on advertising, that kind of thing. So, we, you know, first service is essential because in the day we deliver great service in our store, the customer walk out that door and they'll tell their family and friends and that kind of thing. And that does work, and I can, you know, we the numbers show that the metrics. Yeah. Exactly, you know, we are we are very very different. But I think from my own point of view, as in the days like any, you know, I I look after Peter on Cambridge, so I see it's my own business. You know, my, you know, for me, I've got to um, bring new business in. I want to create lots of new customers. Um, I want people to see it. I want to be happy with us. I was last night. I was looking. You know, we do we ask customers fill in the customer satisfaction survey. And I've got the results from last week through yesterday. And I don't know, you know, in our store, Peter, well, we serve, what, I don't know, 1,500, 2,000 customers last week. But when I look in last time, we had three, you know, in Net Promoter School, we had three, what we call detractors, three of people unhappy. To me, that's three people too much. So, this so morning, even three out of 1,500 yeah. or 2,000, some people are thinking, well, they're just three mini moaners or something. Yeah. But, but you, to me, they're important look, to understand. Yeah, I look after Peter, that, you know, that, to me, that's not acceptable, you know. And, you know, I've got a fantastic team, but there are always going to be reasons why. So driving in this morning, I'm talking to my store manager about, okay, you know, about the situation, what can we do to learn from that, on that? So, again, so that's me, you know, and that's, if you say to a customer, you're going to do something by a certain time, you make sure you do it by that. Because yeah. in the day is, you want to be, you know, you go out and promote what we are about, but if you don't deliver that, then yeah. people say, well, it's just the same as any other bank. And what about some of the systems for that? Because I know it's, for instance, whenever you walk into a metro store, and I've seen it in lots of different ones, not just Peterborough, but within about, I don't know, six or ten steps inside, there'll be someone who will say to you, hello, good morning, how can we help you today? And then they'll point you in the right direction. Or you don't need to go to the the counter or whatever you call it. Fred or Mary can help you. And, And... most banks don't have that welcomer or whatever. What do you call it? I mean, what's the... Well, we have we have, we have one now. Managers who will welcome a colleague in. Sorry, not colleague. A customer into store. And they'll be, you know, straight away, as soon as they walk in and say, how can we help you? And then we can offer them tea, coffee. And so little things like that makes all the difference. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, again, going back to the customer satisfaction survey, people will say, I can't believe I got offered a cup of tea. Mm-hmm. It's nothing, is it? But I've never had it, you know, this one, my bike's never offered me that. I've been there 30 years, exactly. never had a cup of tea. No, so little things can make a massive difference. And that's what we're all about, you know, in, yeah. in our store, you know, we have dog bowls, bring your dog in, you know. Don't need some water outside. there for it. And, yeah. and going back to, you know, I said to you earlier about Vernon's book, you know, creating fans, it's simple things really, you know, it's, it's everything we you know about customer service, but yeah. I think people forgot about. And so that's going a, back to the basics, really. That's a really good system that any business can adopt rather than thinking, customers or shoppers uh which uh, you know people will say stupid things sometimes like it would be all right if we didn't have to put up with the bloody customers they're a nightmare or sort of thing 
But the minute you change that language and words are important and you say we're, we're after fans, you, you can't you, you wouldn't ever be a fan unless you truly loved somebody exactly, yeah. or there were, you, you know, you wanted to see them. A fan mm -hmm. wants to see the people who they're a fan of. And, and it's a bit like, you know, aim for the stars, you might hit the moon or whatever. But if you are aiming to make everyone a fan, you've got to go above and beyond uh, a customer interaction. Yeah. Haven't you? And I think the problem is though, sometimes we set, you know, it's like going back to like uh, the first day you make the effort. But the problem is though, our challenge is we set the bar high. Yeah, yeah. Once you set that bar, the second time they come in, they're going to expect the same. So it's yeah. always about when well, we need to make sure that we deliver it the second time, third time, fourth time, because as soon as we don't, well, you know. So it's not just about first impression, it's about it's an ongoing exactly, delivery. Exactly. Yeah. And, you know, we, our, the colleagues we employ, you know, we can, you know, it's easy to teach someone how to open a bank account. So it's all about we hire for attitude. So I have a pick of business cards. So if I'm in a shop, restaurant, whatever, and I get a fantastic service, I'll give that way to waiters or whatever. My card. So look, also something outstanding. You want to have a chat? It's my number. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and that's what we want because in the day that was the first thing that blew my mind: the fact that I would get numbers, and it wasn't a, an office number that I could ring nine to five. It was a mobile number. Yeah. That literally shit. I can ring any time. And of course, 99% of people would never abuse and ring on a Sunday morning unless it was really important or something. So th there's this kind of acceptance that people could ring any time, but most of the time they'll exactly. ring in a reasonable yeah. time. Yeah, um, That's great. So listen, I'm, I'm conscious of how much time we've spent. And, and, and to me, I truly, truly mean it when I say to people, your banking relationship is one of the most important relationships that you have. If we build on the word relationship, that means about you wouldn't marry the first person that you kiss, boy or girl, but you, you'd, you'd want to know that you've got the right person. Mm -hmm. Don't go and join the first bank that you get. Ask them what they're going to do for you. Think about what you need in a business. Think about how they might support you when uh, things go wrong. And it's, it's all of that. So um, what I want to understand, though, is if you were going back, yeah, 38 years in banking, 16 and a quarter, no qualifications, you do your YTS, and that starts your journey. But 38 years in now, if you could give three snippets of advice or systems or approaches to your 16 year old self that said, Steve, if you, if you do this, you'll be happier, more satisfied, more successful, mm -hmm. or you'll get there quicker. What might be those pieces yeah. of advice? Um, I think the first thing, you know, as I say, I, you know, I left school with two O-levels, but it's, you know, I set myself a goal. I want to be a, a, a bank manager. I want to be a branch manager. Never thought I'd get to where we am today, but through its hard work and determination, I think it's always going that extra mile, you know, where can it be better? You know, I like to exceed expectations. You know, again, you come back to that service, it's to deliver great service. Because if you do that, then you, and then you, you can then earn your customer's trust. A big thing to me is trust. So, you know, if you yeah. get the, you know, so big part of my job is business development. So I'm talking, going out talking to other banks customers on a daily basis. And a lot of them I've been talking to three or four years and build that relationship. I never go in being arrogant to say, you know, come to me, I'm the best. You know, I know they've got a good relationship with their bank, but I want to be the first person they turn to yeah, when yeah. they kind of actually their bank manager's moved on whatever. I'm not happy now. Who's going to phone? I'll phone Steve. Yeah, not I'll phone Metro or phone Steve. I'll phone Steve. Or yeah. James or, or yeah. exactly. So I think when I look back, you know, and then I said to me, you know, I've got four children, and it's, it's all about, you know, it's it's hard work, you know, putting yourself out there. You know, I live by the Doing it today, I'm outside my comfort zone. Right, right. But I tell my managers who work for me, say, "Look, be outside your comfort zone. 
and then you know, grow. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Right. So there's some bits of advice. Um, you know, step outside your comfort zone, set goals, build trust. Uh, uh, and, and over deliver and so on. Uh, that's great advice. Equally, if with all those years of banking, if there were two or three systems or, or, or tips that you would give to businesses, yeah. what might they okay. be? I mean, the first one is, is build your team. You know, uh, as I said before, being a, a business owner can be a very lonely wall. You know, uh, have a mentor. Also, yeah, I know that's what you do, Mike. Um, have somebody you can talk to, have somebody who's going to challenge you. Have a bank, a relationship with a bank who get there to support you and can have an honest conversation with you. And, and, and again, with the accountant, make sure you've got the right team around you. Um, know your numbers. Yeah. Keep your numbers. Know where you want to do. And set yourself aspirations. What, what are your goals? What do you want out of the business? Yeah. Where yeah. do you want to be in five years? One big first question I always ask, where do you want to be in the next five years? Where do you want to be in 10 years? What are you doing about how can you get there? And I think the third one really is, is be open with your bank. If you start yeah, seeing yeah. issues, you know, 99% of bank managers will go out of their way to help you. If you tell them what your problems are, they'll go out of their way and they'll fight your corner with an underwriter. They really will, but you need to be honest with them. Yeah, yeah. And, and you know, those few things, you know, setting goals. Have you got goals? Most people don't. Have, have they written those goals down? Most people don't. You know, they try to hide their problems from their partners yeah. and their banks. Not only are they not good at hiding it, but but the banks probably know anyway. And if you can't tell someone a problem, problem shared is a problem half. If they don't exactly. share it, then they can't yeah. half it. Yeah. Um, and I think it's really important. And the other thing that you said was know your numbers. Yeah. You know, I, I it blows my mind how few businesses know their turnover, know their profit, know where they're heading, know what their margin is. And these might not be comfort zones they they have because they might be a great plumber, a great chef, a great retailer, a great technician in whatever they do. But if they don't learn enough to know their numbers and read those numbers and understand a cash flow and understand margin, yeah. they'll never truly be successful in business. Yeah. And yes, they can get someone who can help them with that, but you can't run a business without having at least a base understanding of those numbers. Yeah. Uh, and, and I think on that note, you know, uh, it's been some great tips and advice and, and I appreciate our relationship. I see what you do in this city, which which is is well above and beyond. Um, and I appreciate that. And I know that if people listen to these podcasts, there's a lot they can learn. And I often, uh, when I listen to podcasts, I'll listen to them a couple of times, sometimes normal speed, sometimes faster, but often you get the best lessons on the second or third listening. Uh, and people, because their mind starts going in a different way and they forget the next bit. But, you know, there's some great advice in there. I really appreciate your Thank time. You, really uh, enjoyed it. If you've enjoyed, uh, like, share, subscribe, drop me in an email or uh, uh, at info at Mike Green with an E on the end.co.uk. Tell me who you'd like to see uh, interviewed. Tell me what questions you'd like answered uh, from a mentor in sense. Look forward to seeing you again. Thanks very much. Bye for now. Thank you.